If you got your Bible, uh, if you'll turn to John 17, uh, verse 17 through 19. John 17, 17 through 19. And the word states, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I've sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Let's pray. God, my Father, uh, thank you so much, Lord, for a church family that, um, God, I, I know loves one another. God, we're far from perfect, Father. But God, I pray, Lord, that you would do as, as uh, Christ, as he prayed in the garden, Father, that you would use truth to help to sanctify us, Father. God, that we would understand what that means better. And God, that through that, God, that you would use that to glorify yourself. It's all in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, so uh, Tony talked about it, mentioned it uh, this morning, and he gave a wonderful definition of the word. And, um, and so, and, and we didn't plan this, but, um, but that's what I was going to talk, talk about tonight was what sanctification is. And so that's a, a real churchy word, sanctification. And, and to be honest, uh, I got to reading um, on this, and, and, um, and in that reading, there was an interesting kind of side note that I wanted to share with y'all about, you know, how so many of these words, you know, which the, maybe the common world wouldn't understand what sanctification means, and, and maybe not even the church world in its entirety knows and understands what sanctification is and why it's important. But um, that word, along with a lot of good words, have really lost their meaning in our society. And, and, and the guy that I was reading, he was saying, it's probably the reason why we don't need to use those, these words much at all. Words, to be honest with you, such as love and holy, as damn, as hell, as God and Jesus Christ. Because of the way that we flippantly use those words, that those words lose their meaning spiritually. Because, you know, uh, for a couple of those words, you know, a hit with a hammer to, to a thumb could, you know, somebody could spit out one of those words. And uh, including, um, you know, using our Lord's name in vain. But, but even those words like love and holy, um, you know, we'll use those words really flippantly and, you know, like holy mackerel or we'll say, you know, I love ice cream and, and it doesn't have the same meaning that we see it used in the Bible. And so, and so it can really make things confusing as you, as you are reading the Bible and you're reading these words and uh, to understand the depth of what hell really means. What does it mean to be, to really be damned? What is it? What does love really mean? And then what does sanctification really mean? That's a that's a churchy word, and, and that one's not used really in slang or in jargon. But it, but probably not talked about enough. But but basically, sanctification means to make holy. 
It really means to be obedient. Tony talked about it to, to see that, that the word says this and that we repent and that we do what the word says. So it's, a, it's obedience. It really means to be set apart unto God for his use. That if we're a sanctified people, that we're a called out people, that we were, we were in darkness and that we were really children of wrath. And now that he has set us apart for his use in this world. So, do, so for one, do we see ourselves in that way? Do we see ourselves as a set apart people for his use? Do we approach every day in that way that I am called to be separated called to be on his mission today and so uh, God works in those who he claims to conform them into his image that is sanctification that we are conformed into this image that we are to be made Christ-like that every day as you as you grow in in age that you should also be growing in Christian maturity that every day you should look more like Christ than you did the day before. In Romans 8, 29 and 30, we can see, we talked about it last time I was up here, but we can see that you know, this is all part of his salvation plan. Listen to what it says. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That was the plan, that we would be conformed to the image of his son. In order, so why? That we might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So to be justified and to be conformed into his image, to be sanctified, and then to be glorified one day. And so that that will happen for those who are, who he foreknew, who he predestined and who are called. They will be justified, sanctified, and glorified. It is part of his plan to present the bride of Christ to Jesus Christ. And so here, the power source in which we are to rely on. So how are we to rely or what are we to rely on in order for us to conform to this image of Christ? It's none other than the indwelling Holy Spirit. And that, that is what we're to rely on. That is the well that we go to. In 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18, it says, But when one turns to the Lord, you know, you were going one direction and you turn to the Lord, the veil is removed. I, I hope that that is familiar to you, that you were blinded and then you saw that God showed you something that you could not see clearly before. A dead man can't have faith. He had to awaken you in order for you to see clearly. He had to remove a veil in order for you to see it, to see the grace and the love. And so it says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed. We're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And, and, then, and then we see in 1 Thessalonians 5 in verse 22, it tells us something that is 
When you, look, when you read this, for one, it, it seems like a mountain that we can't climb. Because when I read it and I see abstain from every form of evil, and you think, well, where do I go if I'm to abstain from every form of evil? Because it's all around. In fact, there's so much of my desire that remains this evil. It's inside of me. But it says to abstain from every form of evil. That's the command. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Do you know that he's never failed at that? Any man or woman that is reliant totally on the spirit of the Lord. Totally in being obedient to the spirit. And abiding in Christ Jesus. That they are able to abstain from every form of evil. The problem is what? Being in lockstep with the Spirit. There's so many times it is us that move away. It is our nature that doesn't stay at the well. That we rely on ourselves instead of God. So look, we will struggle. There's no doubt. We will struggle. Paul says he is unable to do what's right. Even, even though he tries, he's unable to restrain himself from doing what is wrong. That Paul struggled. This conflict and frustration, I know probably for everybody in here, is real. If you, if, you have, if you have been won over by Christ and the Holy Spirit indwells in you, then, then the Holy Spirit convicts you. But so many times... There is such a war that goes on in our flesh that we're fighting against the Holy Spirit. That our nature longs, still longs and desires those things that we should be at war against. And so we watch and we pray against temptation. And, and to be honest, over time, that we should cultivate really um, put to death these bad habits that every day that we should that we should wake up every day knowing that we're at war. I mean, do we do we really realize that that there is not only an enemy out there that is ready to devour us, but that there is a there is an enemy within us that there is. There are evil desires within us. And are we really preparing ourselves each day to go to battle with that? Are we prepared to put to death bad habits? To put to death sin in our life? Another thing that we need to understand when we're talking about sanctification is that we cannot get sanctification and justification confused. So being sanctified to be set apart, being made holy. See, I, I, to me, the, the best way that I can really describe it, and I hope that this is a good way to describe it, 
justification really involves what God is saving us from. Okay, because we were separated. Why? Because of our sin. And to be, when He justified us because of the sacrifice of the, of the sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ, that now that the payment that we owed, the debt that we owed God is paid. And so now we are in right standing with God. And so that, that is justification. You are justified before God. But sanctification is also, as we saw in Romans, it is part of his salvation plan. Justification is you are saved because of faith and faith alone. But sanctification is part of this overall plan he has, what he's going to do with you. So what he's saving you to. What is he saving you to do? What is he saving you to become? He's saving you to become conformed to the image of Christ. This is what you're to be. So you are saved to be conformed into the image of Christ. And so uh, in one sense, though, to be honest with you, we have already been sanctified. All right. In one sense. And you'll see that language in the Bible. You'll see parts of the Bible where different authors talk about believers and they use past tense already happened, sanctified. And, and so, and, and what that means is in those, in that sense of the word that you have been set apart for that mission, that you are sanctified because you are set apart for God. In another sense of the word, though, being sanctified, you're being sanctified. Because although the Spirit who lives inside of you is pure and holy, we are still bound in a sinful nature. So our natural desires are now in conflict in this rebirth with this Spirit inside of us. That there is a conflict there. And so that we continue to struggle in many ways with sin and sinful desires. And as we grow in Christian maturity, that there is that we are being made sanctified. We are being sanctified, being set apart, that it is a constant state of sanctification that we have to every day realize that today is a new day with its own troubles. That's what the Bible tells us, that Jesus tells us that every day has its own troubles. And that, and that we live in a body with a sinful nature, but yet now we have a new heart and a new spirit and the indwelling spirit within us. And so that we have a way to fight against that, that nature. So we're at war. So we're being sanctified. All right, and so, so this is how uh, John Piper puts it. He says, regeneration is birth. You're regenerated, you're, you're aw awakened, and now, now you have, that's that rebirth. That is, the, that is being born again is regeneration. It's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus about. But he says this, so regeneration is birth, sanctification is growth. In regeneration, God implants desires that were never there before. 
When you were reborn, God gave you new desires that you never had before. Even the things that you wanted to do that you felt like were good before, then there was always an ulterior motive. Desire, though, here that you're given for God. That you're not, you're not just sad you got caught and that you got in trouble. That's a worldly grief. You know, I'm in trouble. I've, I've lost my job over it. I've lost my family over this sin in my life. I'm in jail over this sin in my life. That's worldly grief. Those, God can use that, no doubt, to bring people to the cross. But you know, you know what coming to the cross is, is realizing it's godly grief. It's realizing that the sin in my life put Christ on the cross. The sin in my life causes a separation from myself and God. The sin in my life is causing God grief. It's an offense to a living and holy God that gave me breath and gave me a son. And that's a, that's a whole different type of grief. It's one that an unbeliever would not have. It's one that can only be brought by God into the hearts of those who He claims. And so here, it is the Holy Spirit who works in us and He gives us a desire for God and a desire for holiness and a desire to glorify God's name throughout the world. That when we see all the problems of the world, that the Spirit within us it wants to scream and shout, but for different reasons that our flesh does. Our flesh often, you get on Facebook and your flesh wants to prove somebody wrong. But your spirit cries out that their soul will be saved. Your spirit cries out that all the, all the horrible things that you see on television, on social media, in our communities, that God will come back and fix it. Because it's so broken. He gives us a desire to pray and to worship. A desire to love and to bring benefit to others. In sanctification, the Holy Spirit, as it says in Philippians 2, works in you. It says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So this salvation that we see, this work that we do, that it is a work that is created in you by God and for his good pleasure. Can we boast of any work that we do? When every good work that we do is not only the will of God, but it is for His good pleasure. We have nothing to boast of. Christians, Christians should become more Christ-like. And, and we should dis display the fruit of the Spirit. But it's not always the case. In fact, in Corinthians, and y'all are probably familiar that the Corinth church, the church in Corinth, had a lot of problems. You know, Paul addresses those problems, uh, you know, especially in that first letter to the church. But in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 2 and 3, listen to how he addresses 
the Christians at Corinth. He says to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified, sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. He's saying we serve the same Lord. You're sanctified in Christ. You are called to be saints together. And then two chapters later, look what happens. In, in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? So though he, though he said he addressed these people as sanctified people in Christ, he comes back and he's pointing out all these problems, says they're infants in Christ and, and that they, there's all kind of strife and there's jealousy. So he's pointing out all these problems. He's going to continue to point out problems in the Corinthian church. So again, sanctified. Yes, at the cross, set apart. And now he's saying, act like it. If you're a sanctified people set apart to do God's will, act like it. Grow in maturity. That's what you're called to do. In fact, that's how we know that you're, that you're really in the faith is, is that you're obedient to the faith. And so here, one thing that we also know about sanctification that we need to understand is that the Holy Spirit sanctifies us daily. It says that we're renewed daily. In 2 Thessalonians 2.13 it says, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So, so, so belief and sanctification is all part of His plan of what He's doing with His church. What He's doing with believers. This is His plan. What what am I to do with them? I'm going to sanctify them. I'm going to make them look more like me. They're going to become holy as I am holy. And so we are reminded that we are renewed every day. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16, it says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Anybody feel that way? You get that verse. Our outer self is wasting away every day, one day closer. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I love that scripture. It reminds me what our hope is in. It's not in this world. And, and whatever, whatever that this world might bring is that we really ought to see it as light and momentary affliction. And that it's nothing Anything that the world throws at us is nothing compared to what is promised us, the inheritance that awaits us, that, that cannot rust, there's no blemish in, and it cannot be taken away or stolen. It is there, it is sealed by the Holy Spirit Himself. And so here, but, but listen what this verse also means. And this is, this is something that Piper brought out as well. If... If we're being renewed day by day, if we have to rely on being renewed, 
that means that our bucket has a leak in it, right? If you got to be renewed, if you got to fill up, you know, you got to fill up that tank every day, that means that throughout today, your bucket has got a leak. You need more tomorrow. You got to go back to the well. You have to fill back up. Our energy and our passion may wane. We may feel dry and distant. So we must know that we have to be renewed every day. If we're not, and, and that's what I was talking about waging war. If we're not expecting that, if we're not understanding of that, then, then it will, the day will pass and we'll have not filled up at all. What kind of church will we be? And, 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 I'll, and I'll go a step further. What kind of Christian are you if you're not filling up? I, I just, just from personal experience, now I know you got to be careful with that, but I know just from personal experience, anytime that, that I am prayed up before the service, where I'm prayed and I'm listening to worship music, I'm already in a worshipful mood. Boy, the preaching is so much better. That his fault or mine? You know what I mean? How much of it is on us as the hearer? Can we really expect to make it on two or three sermons a week? Or should we be preaching to ourselves daily? Should we be in His Word daily? We'll never make it. We'll never make it on that. We're starving. We're starving if we if we're not if we're not looking to be renewed day by day. The implication here, if we got to be renewed, is that if we're not renewed, that we will lose heart, that we'll be ready to give up. So many times that's me, you know, that I, the struggle leads me to, you know, throw my hands up and then thank God that his, he, even though he says that you have trouble every day, one thing that he also promises is mercies are new every day. So thank God that he, that the Holy Spirit prays for me with groanings that I can't even utter. And, and that He gives me mercy and grace even when I don't deserve it, even when I'm not searching for it, that I'm His and He promised that the good work that He started in me, He will complete. So my hard-headed and stubborn self, even though that I refuse to renew myself day by day, that God is still working a workmanship piece in me. But Mao, I wonder what, what would the church look like if we were equipping as saints of God going to war in battle every day equipping ourselves with the word of God in prayer every day diligent praying like Tony talked about this morning praying for each other loving authentically in this church where, where I'm thinking of you before I think of myself what will we look like would this church be different I believe it would You know, 
the promised trouble, I think, when we're promised trouble, as Jesus says it, we're promised persecution, we're promised that the world will hate us as it hated him, it really punches a hole right through the prosperity gospel, doesn't it? You know that the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Yeah, I think about that, and, and I thought about, you know, what all Tony was talking about today is how, how, how so many churches and preachers, you know, we don't want to be like that, but there's so many that do, and there's even a temptation. There's always a temptation. You know, when you see the crowd shrink, you see others around you growing, the struggle is, what do we do to change that? And the temptation is change but not always for the better not always in the right direction and and as I was I was thinking about that this afternoon how how God uses trouble and persecution how he uses it for us to have opportunity to display Christ y'all ever thought about that I mean I probably as much as we preach about those different things I I think so, but it's always good to go back and really, really think about that the next time trouble, persecution, the next time offense comes your way, that at that moment, probably more than any other moment, because I mean, when, when things are good, I mean, everybody's in a good mood then. But you know, at those moments when you're faced with an opportunity where forgiveness is difficult, where persecution is in your face, where offense slaps you in the face, you're faced with an opportunity to display Christ to the world, to at least the world around you. What if we miss it, Mike? What if we got an opportunity to show people who don't know Christ that this is what my Savior looked like. is just a glimpse of Him during His life here on earth. This is what He would have done. It stops people in their tracks because the gospel that you preach, they get to see. The gospel that they hear changes people's lives. They see it before their face that there's an opportunity for offense, but yet they see turning the other cheek because they're not used to that. They're used to the hypocrisy. They're used to the norm. And then they get to see the abnormal. They get to see love where, where it was always hate before. They get to see forgiveness where it was always contempt. And it was always binge, revenge before. And they get to see it for what Christ intended it to be. Guys, that's sanctification. You become like Him. The world gets to see a glimpse of Him. You introduce the world around you to your King Jesus. It is an honor when we get to suffer for Christ. I feel so sorry for those who don't understand it. And I, I pray that I understand it more and more because I don't practice it enough. Trouble and persecution are a way, an opportunity to show Christ Jesus to the world.
Another thing that we need to understand about sanctification is that you are a part of sanctification. We work because God works in us, but we work. And we love because he loved us first, but we love. The faith that we have is an active faith. It is not passive. It is human effort that is dependent on God. So here, the work that I do, the sanctification in my life, it's all dependent on Him, but I'm active in it. I cannot boast in it because everything that, that is good that comes out, it is something that He has worked in, inside of me. But He is ready to strengthen you to do everything that He's called you to do. Y'all thought about that? Everything He's called you to do is, is monumental, is unattainable in and of yourself, but is completely within reach with Him. Completely. We have to abide in Him and we have to constantly rely on Him. We have to go back to the well daily. We shall never look at our role as passive. We are to be active. We're to be workers in the faith. We're to be at war with our sin. We're to be ministers of reconciliation. We should not think that because that we didn't earn our salvation, because that's true, you did not earn your salvation, that we did not play an active role in it. He granted us faith, and it's us that believed you do believe. You believe. There is a difference between merit and human activity. We are not robots. We are called to choose. You know, saying that we chose him is not inconsistent with the fact that we cannot choose him without him first granting us the ability to choose him. He tells us to choose. We saw Elijah tell that to the people, choose Baal or choose God. The problem is, is that without a new heart, we would always choose wrongly. But he has opened up your eyes and now you choose rightly. So he has granted you faith and granted you the ability to believe. So both of those are true and perfectly consistent with each other. So choosing is true. Another thing that we need to understand about sanctification, that it is vital for the health of the church and specifically tonight talking about this church. Obedience to God's word is vital. First off, it proves your faith. So in self-examination, which we're called to do, how can we really truly know if we're of the faith, if we are disobedient to the faith? If we are disobedient to the master. Another, another thing that sanctification does with our church is it saint, when we are sanctified, we're sanctified to honor Christ. Why are you sanctified? Because you are being prepared. 
as the church to meet the bridegroom. You're being sanctified because He deserves it. And He is honored when we are moving towards sanctification. We are also sanctified to give God glory. We are His worksmanship. That the Father would receive glory because He is preparing us to meet the Son. We are also sanctified because we are to be in lockstep with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit who dwells within us. That we are to be being made holy so that we are in lockstep with Him. And He makes us holy. So it is a perfect marriage. We are also sanctified to carry out His mission for the church. And I mentioned it earlier. The reason why that you are being made into His image, the reason why He doesn't just pull you from the earth as soon as you're justified to be with Him, you're being made holy to show the world it is His plan to use the church to reach a lost and dying world. You are being made holy to show the world Christ. If you want to know, like, why, am, why is it that I'm not as effective in my Christian walk? Why is it that more people don't come to know Christ? One question that you might want to consider asking yourself is, am I growing in becoming more Christ-like? Am I becoming more Christ-like? We are not there yet. I understand that. It is something that we will all pursue. There won't be a moment before we take our last breath where this won't be a relevant sermon. I pray that, that, that that's what this is. That sanctification, a sermon on sanctification, let me put it that way, will always be a relevant sermon to the church. We are not there yet. And you think about this. Until you love like Christ all the time. Until you think like Christ all the time. Until you speak like Christ all the time. Until you act like Christ all the time. Then you are not yet sanctified in that way. But you are rather being sanctified being made holy so there's much work to do but why does he not sanctify us right when he justifies us i think one of the i think one of the most i guess one of the best ways i could put it is this and i can definitely say this is true in my life i would get puffed up I will become self-righteous. I would not lean on Him. And then that in and of itself is, is of course not being sanctified. But because of the struggle, believers, what do we have to do? We are constantly having to go back to the well. We are constantly having to rely on Him Realizing that we can't do it on our own. How many times, believers, have you realized that your efforts are in vain? 
and that you are not enough. But in that, in that the beauty, because when you realize that, you realize He is. He is enough. So it keeps us dependent on Him and it keeps us humble in our stature. And it also keeps us gracious to a lost and dying world. And let me tell you, church, where I couldn't have shouted amen loud enough this morning when Brother Tony was talking about that very thing, that no matter what programs we do, think about yourself. If you've been saved, how were you saved? You were broken, and it was the truth of the gospel. It wasn't, it wasn't the world. It wasn't a concert. Do you understand what I'm saying? It wasn't a Christian concert. It was the truth. May have been at a Christian concert. May have been in a church. May have been in, in your bedroom. But truth was declared to you. And here's what you realized. If you're truly born again, you realize that the world wasn't enough. You were sick of the world. You were fed up with the world. You had had enough of the world. The world could not satisfy what you needed quenched. It was only Christ Jesus. So we have to be that type of people. We have to understand that if we, if we are reliant on His Word, on His truth, and if we're a people that's being made sanctified, a set-apart people, that that is what will be called into our midst with us. Our family, our church family should grow, and it will grow, but it'll grow the right way. It'll grow the right way when, when we pray like Tony was talking about praying, and when we treat each day that we understand that we have to go to the well, and we have to be renewed, and we have to go to His Word, and that we have to fight, we have to wage war against our sin. That we have to be reliant on Him and not prideful but humble. There's no doubt in my mind that this church will fill up and it will fill up the right way, not the wrong way. We've had that enough. There's enough churches that do that. There's enough churches that fill up because they can just draw a crowd and then nobody changes. Nobody matures. There's enough of that in this world. Let us pray for something different. How are we sanctified? Lastly, how are we sanctified? The verse that I started with says it. It's what Christ Jesus prayed in the garden. And part of, of what we said was the whole reason why He went to the cross. Not just to be justified, but that we be sanctified in His truth. That we be made holy. Sanctified? How are you sanctified in His truth? And Tony talked about that this morning. We are made holy by His truth. His truth sets us free. It opens our eyes to see how lost that we were. It opens our eyes to see what direction we have to go. And we can show others that as well. How easily we can be swept up with all this earthly nonsense when we need to have a heavenly lens. You know? We have to always remember this. Christ, I saw this, I saw this this week. Somebody called him Jehovah Jireh. And it gets misused so much. 
he is, you know, the, the, the prosperity gospel misuses that, that phrase too. Jehovah Jireh, he provides everything for us. He provided everything that we needed in himself. He is the sacrificial lamb. He is all that we need. He is the treasure. He is the treasure. And so, as we walk in newness of life, and we're called to be a separate people, called out, sanctified by His truth, let us remember that the reason why that He died was so that we might be reconciled to God. That we might be set apart and be made holy so that we can be ministers of reconciliation and lead other people to the truth. Our church will grow when we grab a hold of that truth. When we start living that truth. Every one of us, you and your family, you take responsibility, if you haven't already, of that truth. And you live it in your household first, day by day as you leave out. That that is the truth that you hold on to. Let's pray. God, my Father, I thank you, Lord, for your truth. God, I know that... God, I know that I fall short of the truth that I just preached. And God, I pray, Lord, that, that you would uh, work in me and work in each one of us, Father, that we might, God, that we might realize that, Father. God, that we would rely on you and not ourselves, Father. That we would be sanctified by your truth in preparation for the second coming of Christ. That, God, you deserve it. And you should be gloried by the way that we live our life, you should be glorified. And all that we say, do, think, God, that you should be glorified. It's all in Christ's name we pray. Amen.